Look, have mercy on me. What's up, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of On the Bluff. I'm your host, Christian Fowler. This is not Gabe Coon next to me. I know you can tell that. We are also not in studio. I know you can tell that. Uh, we underestimated how long Gabe and Taylor would be on their honeymoon. So I, I don't blame them, man. Go on their honeymoon, have fun, do their thing. Yep, take as long take as long as you want. But it's me and Kenny again this week. Next week, I'm not gonna lie to you guys. This time next week, we'll be back in studio with Gabe as normal. But for this week, we are still. Are digital. we sure about that? Like, do we know Gabe is coming back? I would say he's probably not going to go on a two-week honeymoon. I feel pretty confident in that. So if I'm wrong on that one, then it just is what it is. We just – I'll chalk that one up. But I feel pretty confident in saying – We'll take an L, we'll take an L in that column if he goes yeah, on a two-week honeymoon. I'll take an L if he's not back by next Monday. That's right. That's right. Um, Kenny, what's up? Man, hey, what's up with you, man? Nothing. Nothing. Coming what's your, what was your weekend? What was your weekend? What is the a weekend in the life of Christian Fowler – on a October seventh and eighth, what does it look like for you? Is it all football all all weekend? What's the, what's it's it look like? Primarily, primarily football. Yeah. Um, like I said last week, we had a, another wedding shower. We had a wedding shower this weekend for one of my friends that is getting married this upcoming Saturday. Right. In uh in Colorado, uh, so we had a wedding shower for him. Are you going to Colorado? No, I'm not. I'm oh. not going. Um, I, I wish say, I was. Do you believe? I wish I was. Uh, but yeah, we had a wedding shower on Saturday night. Right. And it was football before that. It was football during that. And then all day Sunday during this time of year. Do you football. feel some kind of way? Like, how do you feel? Like, do you feel being at the wedding shower? Are you like distracted by your phone? Like, what's your strategy for holding your phone as you're watching a game, like, do you have headphones in? Like, what do oh, you do? Dude, like, my whole friend group is just as big of a junkie as I am. So I don't have to worry about anything. Like there's football on the TV the whole time. That's what everybody's talking about. Yeah. At one point, I think there was literally four of us that had different games pulled up on our phones with the game on the TV, all the phones laying out on the table, everybody watching different games. So yeah. no, I don't have to have any kind of strategy because I am, I, I fit in perfectly uh, with my friend group as far as football junkies go. Well, how does that work with the female counterparts involved? Because I know from in my situation, if I was to walk around like this with my looking at a phone at an event with, when I'm with my wife, it might not go well for me. Like I might, I might hear about it a little bit. Does it? Well, I don't have, have that. I don't. I don't have that problem, so I don't have to worry about that. Um, but no, like our friend group is so close. Like when we get together, it kind of just separates. Like the girls kind of go talk and hang out with the girls, and the guys kind of talk and hang out with the guys. So they're not worried about us. The girls are not worried about us in the slightest when we all get together because they they they're do like their own thing. Boys, too. go do yeah. y'all's thing. Yeah, yeah we're gonna sit here and talk for six hours. Is basically what they do. So I can't. I don't. Well. I don't blame them, man. I don't. I don't. That's not a bad look. No, no. They they get tired of hearing about football all the time, being around us. So. They could do their own thing. You know, fall falls are awesome, man, because obviously the weather starts to turn and the, you know, I'm not a summer guy. I hate the summer. I hate Yeah, we finally got weather. that finally got that cool weather this weekend and it was awesome. Friday night, Friday night, I, I was at a volleyball game for my daughter and I walked out of the gym at like nine o'clock and man, I felt it. I felt a brisk in the air. I yeah. felt I felt chilly. Like I felt a like my my leg hair is kind of going bing a little yeah. bit like that's what i and i was like oh we're here man like it's mm -hmm. here 
so this past weekend obviously was the bye week for the Memphis Tigers football program. Guess what I spent my whole day doing? What did you do? I got up at 5.30 in the morning on a Saturday and went and set up for a yard sale at my parents' house and got to hang out at a yard sale all day selling mm. stuff. It's tough. tough. Very tough. Very tough. Tough, tough business, man. It does not sound like an enjoyable Saturday. And I guess at Listen, least it felt at least it felt good outside. It felt good outside. I had a good time with the fam. The fam's cool. We had, you know, my dad, my dad, let me tell you what my dad does. My dad is a one of the best oatmeal makers I've ever seen in my entire life. Do you like oatmeal? I mean, not really. So he had a big old vat of it on the, the oven when I got there. And man, we were just chowing down. Um, sold a lot of stuff, man. You want to hear a hilarious story and we'll move on, but you want to hear a hilarious story. Go for it. Apparently. So they live on a street. that's kind of long. It's a pretty good, pretty good distance from the start to end at the end of the street. Apparently there was two other yard sales going on at, uh, down, like way down the street. My parents live at the front of the street off a of big road in Carryville. They had signs up. The other two yard sales had signs up and everything. But yet people were turning onto our street and seeing our yard sale and going, oh, okay, cool. Here it is. Here's yeah, the yard must, sale. This must be it. Caused a like, like literally, they came down the street and were like, y'all have to let them know that you were that there's other yard sales down the street because our signs are being used to put them in y'all's yard sale. Almost a beef in the middle of uh Carryville, bro. It was crazy. It's not surprising. I almost called you and said, Christian, I need your help, bro. I need you to strap up and come over. I would be the wrong person to call in that scenario. Oh, man. Absolutely. You kickbox, bro. I need your kickboxing. Oh, yeah. No. No, I'm good. <laughs> I'll keep it parked here. Okay. Um, but as you said, let's move it on. Uh, Memphis was on a bye week. Yeah. As you said, so we don't have anything to talk about from this past weekend, but there is a big game coming up on Friday night against yeah, Tulane. And this could uh, – this obviously has huge implications for the American, for the AAC championship game, for potential mm -hmm. New Year's Six Bowl. Like, this is the game of the year for Memphis up to this point. They get Absolutely. Tulane at home, which is a huge help. We know how good this team has been at home in Simmons Bank Memorial Liberty. I don't know. I, I, I suck at the name. You were close. Uh, it's just like Liberty Bowl. Like, can we just keep calling it the Liberty Bowl? Or, or you could go with the new name, the Sim. The Sim. People are calling it the Sim. Rather go with Liberty Bowl. Uh, I'd rather go with um, Liberty Bowl too. Um, but anyway, uh, it, it's it's a huge game. Uh, Tulane has was a whipping boy for a while, just in college yeah. football, and they really have become a solid program. And with Michael Pratt leading the way this year, they've been successful again. Their only loss has been the Ole Miss. But what I will say about this team is, it, it, this team is not Tulane of last year. Yes, no, they're no, no, a good. No. They're a good football yeah. team. But without a guy like Tajay Spears, who scored his first touchdown in the NFL on Sunday and is basically splitting snaps with Derrick Henry for the Tennessee Titans right now, like Tulane is not the same team without him. They're still good. I'm not saying they're not good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're much more beatable than they were last year. They were extremely, extremely good. Uh, probably the third best uh, group of five team we've seen over the last several years behind – uh, the Cincinnati team that went to the playoffs and then the UCF team that didn't lose a game and absolutely destroyed LSU and Joe Burrow uh, before Joe Burrow was Joe Burrow. 
but they were a really good team. I mean, they were awesome. They were – I would say them and that Memphis team that played in the Cotton Bowl in 2019 right. were really close. Obviously, you have to give the edge to Tulane because they actually won that Cotton they Bowl. They won the game. Cotton Bowl, yeah. Uh, but regardless, that was a very good team. They lost a lot of really good players from that team, and now you have this game, which ultimately could decide the American depending on what happens the rest of the year. Kenny, you going to be there? Will you be there on Friday night? Oh, man, absolutely. Yeah, I would miss it. What, I had to miss. What, I had to miss Boise State because of uh, old uh, Gabriel's wedding. I'm not missing Tulane. I'll tell you that. Yeah, it should be nice. A high of 83, but I'm sure by the time it kicks off, it's gonna it's gonna feel really good outside. So it should be nice. Yep. Um, I would have to guess that if there's gonna be a really big Memphis home game this season, this will be it. I know some people are like Friday night games, uh, who knows, but I, I think Friday night games have the potential to do pretty well. I mean, yeah. Why, why not? You know, why wouldn't they? Why, why wouldn't they? The buzzing metropolis that is Memphis is, does not have like <laughs> massive stuff going on on Friday night. Right. So right. I, I think I saw somebody on Twitter say the other day, if you're anywhere associated or any in any way associated or enjoy Memphis sports, why would you not be there on Friday night? I don't, I don't disagree, but I will say this is a tough one for Memphis. They're three-and-a-half-point yeah, underdogs, even at home. Um, ESPN FPI, I think, has them at like a 46% chance to win, something like that. So this is not any kind of walk in the park at all, and, and Memphis is going to have to play better than they played against Boise State. They're going to have to play the best game they've played all year. Uh, up to this point to beat Tulane. So if you're Memphis, if you're a Memphis fan, coming off the bye week I think is big, um, not only for, you know, just having that extra time of preparation for a team, but also, you know, just letting those injuries heal, guys' bodies heal. They're going to come in fresh this week. So I don't know. I don't know. Let me ask you this. I I don't really know how to feel about this game. Well, we, we talked about this at the beginning of the year. These three games, this Missouri, Boise State, Tulane, Gauntlet, was going to kind of make or break the season for Memphis. Where would you rank those three teams? I know I know it's kind of difficult now because Memphis has played two of them, so they've played Missouri, they've played Boise. Um, they're about to play Tulane. But in terms of Missouri, Tulane, Boise, where would you rank those three teams, like in talent and in, in, in overall? The same order you just said it in, Missouri, Tulane, Boise. Okay. Um, Boise hasn't been that great. Tulane has been solid, but you know they lost the game to Ole Miss and Missouri. Missouri's been good. Uh, I mean, I haven't been a big fan of Missouri. I still am not sold on Missouri. What did I, I text you? What did, said, what did I text I'm you still yesterday? Not sold on Missouri. Yeah. <laughs> what did I text you yesterday? You still don't you, believe in Missouri after they scored? After believe? they scored the first touchdown of the game, and I was like, No. You still no, don't believe? I don't. No. Now I will say Brady Cook is is vastly improved this year. He is way better this year than he was last year. So credit to him because I've I put a lot of slander on Brady Cook. So credit to him because he's been really good this year. Uh, yeah. He th- I mean that was his first two interceptions of the season were against LSU. Obviously one of them yeah. was a backbreaker, and I mean the game was kind of already over, but. Yeah, Missouri, Tulane, Boise. I don't think Boise's that great, which kind of scares me for Friday night. Well, they of, took they went and played Missouri in St. Louis and only lost by seven. So yeah, yeah. So maybe there's I mean, a yin and a yang there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, it's a it's one of those situations where who knows? This is 
this is one of those games I feel like that's really hard to predict, especially with both teams coming off a bye week. Right. Like that makes things very unpredictable. Usually if, you know, one team played the previous week and the other team's coming off a bye, you feel like that team has a little bit of an advantage if it's a close matchup just because of the rest and everything like that. But with both teams, it's like, okay, you can't even give either one of them that up because they both had it. Right, they both had a bye week. Yeah, I think it's going to be a very competitive game and it's going to come down to the same things that it's come down to all year. Like, can Memphis run the ball? Can they limit turnovers? Can they limit big plays? Like, I'm not going to sit here and go back through the ringer again because, you know, it's the, the keys are going to be the keys all year. Right. That, that's that's it for the rest of the season. Like, every week when we talk about this from now on, that's that's the three things. Limit big plays defensively, limit turnovers offensively, and be able run to the run ball. the ball. And it, Memphis is going to be a hard team to beat. If they can do those three things, it's going to be tough to lose. They're going to be tough to beat every yeah. every week. Yeah, 100%. It's going to be hard for them to lose a game, especially with how weak their schedule gets after the two-lane game uh, outside of SMU. So you do those things, and you'll win a lot of football games this year. Yeah, yeah. Let me. Are there any injuries? Um, anybody you're looking forward to seeing back on the Tigers that are coming that maybe have been able to heal up over the over the bye week? I have I think, no idea. I think I Jonah no. Gamble. I think Jonah Gamble might be one. Like he went out during that Boise game. Um, yeah, he had a tailbone situation. Um, I'll be interested to see if he comes back. I don't think he played much after that injury happened in that game. Um, yeah. I mean, we know how tight-lipped college coaches are about injuries, so who knows? Who It'll knows? just be interesting to see how both teams perform after having a week of being able to just kind of recuperate and rest and train and 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 all that kind of stuff because, you know, I do think that this – do you think that this – um, in my opinion, I think this bye week came at, at the right time for the Tigers. Do you wish it – been after maybe the lane game or do you think it came at the perfect time for them no that this is the time to have it you have the most time to prepare for the now the most difficult game on, on your schedule like so that's an that's an absolute win and then you go into cakewalk yeah. season for the most part so it, it came at a good time uh but kenny let's switch gears a little bit let's talk about some basketball specifically basketball recruiting first curtis gibbons over the weekend on saturday correct saturday around i think it was four o'clock announced his commitment and he chose lsu not memphis i know you've got some thoughts about this there's been a lot of stuff flying around a lot of rumors a lot of conjecture about what happened and why this happened so what are your thoughts on curtis gibbons committing lsu over memphis I know there's a lot of Memphis fans that are slandering Curtis Givens and his family since he chose LSU. And I would say y'all need to freaking relax. Like that is the silliest. I think the biggest argument is, well, you came back, you came to Memphis and, and announced your commitment in Memphis and chose LSU over Memphis. He's from Memphis and the place that he committed is his dad's restaurant. Yeah. People need to relax. Like this is his hometown, right? Like this is his hometown and and he made a decision for himself. Now I, I do think that there's also been some, you know, conjecture around there about what does this mean for Penny? And I am so tired of that conversation, Christian. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Bro, what did he just do this offseason? Right. 
You right. tell me, what did he no, do this offseason? Yeah, it's never enough. I mean, Jordan Brown, Javon Quinterly, and the I mean, Nick Jordan, a lot of guys, Jaquan, Jaquan Walton, Walton. Like, come on. He went and got Mikey Williams. And I know Mikey Williams is going through his thing. He went and got Carl Charenfan. He went and got JJ Taylor. The got the Carl Charenfan and JJ Taylor are supposed to be the co-rookies of the year for the AAC announced today. Like this guy has done nothing but I mean, he went and got David Jones. He went and got, I mean, he he turned away specific players to the transfer portal that didn't fit that that are now playing G League ball. Like yeah. this is what he's this is who the doubting of Penny every single year over one player needs to stop. Like right. Especially like uh a high school guy that's top you know, barely top one hundred. It's not like some five star like program changer on on the on the surface right my my especially after especially after what was done this offseason that's the biggest thing like come on we're gonna question penny hardaway's recruiting with what he just did it just seems a little little because he lost because he lost curtis givens the third like right come on which aren't all memphis fans tired of freshmen anyway i know i would i mean like if i was a memphis fan i would be just Let me tell you who covers the team. Like yeah. I'm, I am all on team old dudes. Like just keep bringing in transfers. I, I said this a while ago in the Discord, and this is before. So before I get accused of hating on Curtis Givens and slandering a Memphis kid, and that's what all Memphis. Let's just be real. That's what some people say. All white Memphis media does is they talk trash about about high school players from Memphis when they leave. I said this before Curtis Givens announced to LSU the LSU Tigers I don't care if he chooses Memphis or not because I don't care about high school recruiting anymore yeah. it, it unless you tell me this kid is going to be the next LeBron James or unless you tell me this kid is that highly rated that highly ranked right that can come in and create an immediate impact like off the rip day one is the best player on the team I don't care man like if if a kid chooses Memphis, if a kid doesn't, it doesn't bother me coming out of high school anymore because it just that is number one. It is clear the formula that Penny has put in place into what he is, what he values, and he values age. He values experience. He values um, the transfer portal. That is where he is getting the majority of his players now. He has shifted his mentality because he knows, especially in the AAC. That if you want to win in college basketball, you don't win with freshmen. You right. win with experience. And yeah. so you're, you're talking about a kid who, man, good luck to him as he goes to LSU. I know there's a ton of players out there, or a ton of universities, a ton of administrations, um, teams that say, you know what, we're still going to value the the you know high school basketball recruiting. And that's awesome for them. But again, even before Curtis Givens announced, even before Billy Richmond III announces where he's going to go, um, losing out on those players doesn't mean a whole lot to me, right? Like it doesn't it doesn't fill me with any kind of anxiety about. No, I agree. I agree because at this point in time, like getting a high school recruit, like getting a guy straight out of high school, what what's the likelihood you're going to get the best version of that player anyway? Almost nil. 
like almost zero. Like the, another school is going to get the best version of that player more than likely. Like this, right. that's just the day and age that we're in right now. Hundred yeah, percent. Freshmen aren't going to stick around. They're not sticking around. So I don't want to say waste your time on developing them, but like you may get them to chip in as a freshman or a sophomore. But when when they're going to be at the Effective, height of their abilities, right. they're going to be gone. They're going to be somewhere else. Right. Unless you're really appeasing them. So, Edge, I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, good luck to Curtis Gibbons the third. Yeah, good luck I'm not, to yeah, I'm not like, saying anything I'm, negative about him. I'm just – it's just uh, in general where we're at with high school yeah. basketball recruiting. Like, it just doesn't carry the weight that it has for the rest of time. Like, that's just right. gone now. And it, and it legitimately doesn't mean much. You know, I, honestly, I would say this. Like, NIL is a huge part of all recruiting now. And – I can guarantee you that everything that happens, whether it's high school recruiting, whether it's transfer portal recruiting, everything is associated with NIL. And I know there's been, been ideas out there that that even this situation didn't have anything to do with NIL, and that's just not true. Like everything has everything is NIL related. And I was I will tell you this, just based on what we know about Penny and, and even some of the conversations that he's had um, publicly in front of media. He'll tell you, we have this, and this is who we're giving. This is who it's going to. And the majority of the time, it's not going to be to freshmen. It's going to go to the guys that are going to make a difference and make an impact. Right. And so if if that changes someone's opinion on where they want to go, changes their idea on where they want to go based on that, that's fine. Penny's, Penny's very clearly got a, a method and a formula to his madness now. And I don't. I, I can guarantee you, Penny Hardaway didn't lose sleep over Curtis Givens the third choosing LSU over Memphis. Yeah. Well, speaking of that transfer class that he brought in, Memphis is currently uh, doing AAC media days, and they were picked to finish second behind, behind FAU. Uh, yep. Behind FAU, which is what we've expected all off season. Like even if we think that Memphis has more talent like you do kind of have to give it to FAU like with what they did in the tournament and stuff last year and with what they're bringing back so Memphis like I said they were picked to finish second they had four guys that were um how do you were they four yeah. guys that were that were projected that maybe AAC, that had AAC honors um, preseason honors you know yeah, yeah. preseason honors Javon Quinterly first team Jordan Brown second team and then as you kind of hinted at earlier JJ Taylor and Carl Sharon Fant were the preseason AAC rookies of the year which was kind of surprising but like Memphis is the team that's that brought in the most high school talent in this conference so. It I mean, I'll sense. be frank with you. I'll be frank with you on this. I think Ashton might be. I think Ashton Hardaway's knocking on that door, saying, "What about me?" Like, I would be surprised if Ashton didn't get as much or more playing time than any of those two guys, and yeah. and, and be more effective. Yeah. But uh, it, this, I mean, we've talked about it before. This is going to be an interesting season. I mean, we, I know you and I both feel like Memphis is probably the best team in the American, just with what they have overall. Uh, with or without DeAndre Williams, however that situation shakes out, but they just they're so deep at every position. So it, like it wasn't a surprise to see them no, no second no. at all. Like that's what we fully expected, but it just feels like this is a team that really has 
so much in front of them. Like this is the best team that Penny has had. I don't care what anybody says. I don't. I don't even think it's debatable, really, that this is his best team. So I yeah. know we're not there yet. We're getting close. I think. What is it, Kenny? The end of the month is the first exhibition game. Is that right? Yeah, I think it's the thirtieth. Right? Isn't it the thirtieth? Twenty ninth. Thirtieth. Twenty ninth. Twenty ninth. It's the twenty ninth. Yeah. So about three weeks away. Two and a half. Three weeks away. Uh, Memphis fans will finally get some yeah. University of Memphis basketball back. I, honestly, I feel like Memphis just quit playing basketball. Like it, it's gone so fast. I feel like we were just in Fort Worth for the freaking conference tournament, and here we are, less than three weeks away from exhibition games. So it's crazy. I'm, but I'm kind of my head's still a little bit spinning from um, having like nothing going on for like three months during the off season to now Memphis football, Grizzlies, and Tiger basketball are back. And it's yeah. going to be a whirlwind very yeah. quickly. Yeah, but I think that is really well, it. Well, let me, let me you ask you a question. Know? Yeah, I have a question to ask you. And I know I'm not, I'm not going to ask you – I don't want to ask you, like, any predictions on, like, DeAndre Williams. You know, we, we're, we've, we've talked about DeAndre for a long time, but um, – Obviously, there's no new updates in terms of where his status is with the NCAA, his waiver applications, anything like that. But you saw the news about Tez Walker from UNC this week. Yeah. Did did that – do you think that that – I know a lot of Memphis fans took that news and said, heck yeah, that has to mean DeAndre's getting cleared too. Do you, do you think that bodes well? Do you think the Tez Walker – stuff bodes well for Memphis or do you think that it, they're kind of just two totally separate situations? I mean, the, the situations are definitely similar, right? Like on paper, they're, they're very similar, but we've said this a million times, like the NCAA, there's no rhyme or reason to it. So like you would, you would like to say that, yeah, there's going to be a pattern because of this and it's going to, you know, it's going to be a similar situation because on paper that it is, but, that's just not how the NCAA rolls, and we've said that for years. It's just like you have no idea what kind of decisions they're going to make, even if it seems pretty obvious and straightforward. So I, I wish that it was a good sign, but to me, like it's always sit back and wait on the NCAA because you have no idea what they're going to do. It's kind of arbitrary, and nobody really knows, right? Like, yeah. But I feel like we should probably hear something pretty soon. And and I mean, do you think? Obviously, we. We we both believe that the Tiger basketball program is their roster that they have right now is probably the best in the conference without DeAndre. Um, I mean, with DeAndre, that that pretty much seals it, right? Like they're like we've talked about top ten team in the country if he comes back. Yeah, I think they're a legitimate top ten team, national championship contender at that point. If if you yeah. get someone like DeAndre back in the fold with what they already have, yeah, good luck. It's just interesting, this whole uh, kind of back to the Tez Walker situation. Like when I read it, the NCAA, did you not find it kind of odd that the NCAA wrote in their statement about Tez Walker that that additional information was given to the NCAA by UNC yeah. and that and then they added this little caveat to it. They had an opportunity to present this information many times and just chose to do it, which is why, which is kind of their way of like, covering their own ass when it comes to like right and saying that it's on it's not on us it's on the school the the school didn't give us all the information yeah, that we needed I, originally i don't buy that i don't buy that even i even i was watching uh the beginning of that game or maybe the lead up to that game and they were saying they were basically mocking the ncaa saying wh whatever about the additional information and you could tell it was very 
air quotes the way that uh, I can't remember exactly who it was that said it, but it was very air quotes the way he said it of like this additional information that just came in this week. Yeah, I, no way. There's no way. Uh, I mean, they've been so adamant on the situation. Mac Brown and uh, the UNC staff have been very outspoken about it. I just don't see them overlooking information that could potentially lead to Tez's availability. So it just sounds like some, like you said, like an NCAA cover-up, like they're just covering their butt to say it wasn't on us. You know, we've had our ducks in a row, but UNC just gave us what we needed to make this decision. It just seems odd to me that, like, based on some of the things that we're hearing about what the NCAA is doing with DeAndre, it feels along a lot of the same kind of of information, appeals, more information given, and then kind of waiting and here. It just feels that's where those situations feel so similar to me. Um, yeah. Not saying that the end result is going to be the same, but it just feels like, is it not weird that the, I mean, the NCAA is just like another part of it that really intrigued me was apparently the North Carolina AG got involved and wrote a letter to the NCAA and said, basically you should reconsider. Do you think that that was kind of a, and I know we haven't seen the letter from the AG, but there seems to be a lot of, especially with this NIL stuff, it seems to me like a lot of states, attorneys, generals, and legislatures and all that are like really kind of gearing up to battle the NCAA on decisions, on things that they choose to do. Like I, even in the state of Tennessee, they put specific things in the NIL legislation about um, about if the NCAA comes back and says that this isn't legal – there's legend there's there's language in the in the legislation in the state of Tennessee that basically says the state of Tennessee will sue the NCAA. It, does it not feel like to you that there's it seems to be a lot of of state legislatures and AGs that are kind of stepping in and saying we're kind of willing to go to battle with the NCAA on some of the things that they've been doing? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the states just feel like they have more control in these areas now, so they're using that to their advantage, and they're kind of pressing the NCAA. And the NCAA is not used to being pressed; like they they're not used to other people in power, you know, being able to step up to them and say anything. So yeah, it does feel like that, and it should like with the way that NIL is and everything being you know more on a state run level. You know, we've talked about in the past, like what Missouri has done with being able to pay high school athletes and stuff like that. Like, it just feels like – it feels like the states themselves are taking more control over things and instead yeah. of letting this federal entity – federal entity, I don't know exactly what you would – Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, federal entity run everything. They're kind of putting their feet to the fire instead, which, like I said, the NCAA has never had that issue and is not used to that at all. But speaking – a feet to the fire. Kenny, <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. You'll be able to see some previews from our other shows. We'll be back on the other side with our feet out of the fire for the hot three. I'm about to hold your feet to the fire. My feet are coming out the fire. Your feet are going in the fire, dog. There you go. Bluff City Media and Bluff City NIL are proud partners of Coaching for Literacy. 
a Memphis nonprofit using the power of sports to impact childhood literacy. When you donate to Bluff City NIL through Coaching for Literacy, your gift is 100% tax deductible. This partnership is a win, win, win. Tiger student athletes win in the NIL landscape. Coaching for Literacy wins by engaging Tiger student athletes in this monumental cause. And most importantly, elementary students in Memphis receive support to become strong readers. To donate today, visit coachingforliteracy.org slash bluff hyphen city. But looking back on it, I, I think Seth has to be better. I think play calling needs to be better. I think that at times, at times, sure, it, it feels a lot of like it is RPO. So it looks one way. It looks like we're just handing it off that. left and right, left and right. But, but that's not really what it is. The offense can't get into any sort of rit. Like they, they go through these periods where they look great. They're moving the ball. They can put points up, and then they just like three and out or four plays, ten yards, and have to punt. Like that Rock, was kind of surprising. Rock looks like what we've hoped he would look like. Yeah, I, and I. He and Blake need to be your offense moving forward. I'm gonna disagree there, only because we have more weapons. Where's Who? Blake Cumsey? Where's Demir? It feels like the offense has been handcuffed. Stop it's, using the run to try to set yes. up the pass. It, it can be you can you can flip that. You Throw can, the ball down the field yes. and it'll open the run up. Spread it, spread it, spread it. Open it up. Spread the ball around. That will open up the box. Let Blake be. Blake. Tune in to Tigers Untapped with TJ Willis and Trey Lasley every Wednesday at 3 p.m. on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. These stuff, the stuff that they do typically is a segue to get people to change clothes, right? Yeah. And I thought that the three-point stuff was a segue to get the musical artist, musical guests on there with the musical guests buying time to have a scrimmage at the end to get the, everybody, guys and girls, to scrimmage. Right. The scrimmaging never happened. I was right. like, what, they're not effing scrimmaging, bro? Yeah. Like, what are we What are we doing? Like, I, how's the highlight weirdo three-point contest and whatever this other thing was and ugly slam contest? I'm like, slam dunk contest. Like, bro, what? Like, why was there no scrimmage? Like, we, as as a, I've, I've seen every Memphis Madness event Right in my life, I've seen all of them. I remember the one they been had to the majority. Of I've been to the majority. I, I right. remember the joint at the Coliseum. Right. I remember staying up till midnight to yes. watch Midnight Man. I've I've seen all of them. Right. But the best part has always been that opportunity to see the guys get up and down the court. Tune in to the Anthony Sane Show Wednesdays and Fridays at 12 p.m. weekly on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. Discover a world of possibilities at Streetcars of Memphis. Revamp your ride with the ultimate auto transformation. From booming audio systems to eye-catching wheels, powerful lift kits to sleek drop kits, cutting-edge LED lights and light bars, we've got it all. Unleash your style with confidence. Feel the next level of auto care at Streetcars of Memphis. Your dream ride is just a visit away. Visit us online at www.901scm.com and let the transformation begin. Welcome back to On the Bluff. This is the Hot 3 presented by Streetcars of Memphis. Christian. Yes. It's almost cold outside. 
you need to get your you need to get your oil changed. You need to change your tires on your car. You need to get some some uh, snow tires on your car. You need to make sure all your coolant, everything is going well. Streetcars of Memphis can do that for you, man. Mm -hmm. But if you wanted to put some like some of those like really badass lights up underneath your car so that when you drive down the street it glows, if you want to put some speakers in the back of your car, if you wanted to put take your car and lift it and put some mutters on it, you can do that there too. Some they can spinners. do it all. Some spinners, put some spinners on there. You can ride dirty, man. Yeah. Streetcars of Memphis can do that for you. So big shout out, Streetcars of Memphis. The the uh, URL, the 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 link to their website is in the description below. Check them out, Streetcars of Memphis. Uh, appreciate you guys sponsoring and presenting the Hot Three. Christian, you ready? Let's do it. Let's do this, man. Um, it's football season. It is, but it's also Grizzlies preseason. Should never be a but. It's a big butt. Grizzlies okay. preseason. The Grizzlies are starting, man. We had media day last week. Training camp is going on. Preseason happened. The first game happened last night. This is Monday. We're recording on Monday. Um, the pre first preseason just happened on Sunday night. Grizzlies came out in a winner in overtime <laughs> in a preseason game. It was miserable. But, uh... Yeah, man, Christian, what are your thoughts on the Grizzlies in preseason? I couldn't care less. Um, I, look, I, I guess I get it, but only if you're a strictly basketball fan. Like, you can't be a football fan and care about preseason basketball to me. Like, you either got to strictly be a basketball fan, you're fully invested, you're ready to go for preseason basketball, Dude. But it's football season. I do not care about basketball right now. Dang. Okay, sure let me take care. this then. Let me take dang this. Dang care over. don't dang sure don't care about preseason basketball. So you talk about it all you want, but I Pass know it to me. nothing. Go for hand, it. Hand the ball off to me. Let me run hand with this for a second. All right. Um, there's just a lot of questions that have to be answered, man. Like, listen, as if you're a Memphis Tiger fan, uh, let me just paint this picture for you. We're in the media room on Media Day. Um not to publicly out anybody. Greg Gaston is up at the front of the of media room and he's talking trash to a another guy about NFL football. His team is playing another team and they're talking trash about man, if my team comes and plays your team and at home, we're gonna beat y'all. Da 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 da. And in the door, the door opens and in walks this dude with long hair wearing number 23. Memphis Grizzlies number 23. And I, I was like, hmm. Who is that? And then he turns the corner, steps up on the the, the the podium, and it was damn Derrick Rose. I mean, he kind of sauntered in like quietly. Everybody was talking real loud. And all of a sudden, Derrick Rose is sitting at the booth, at the podium, ready to talk and answer questions. It was like an audible gasp happened inside, like when they noticed that he was up there. Derrick Rose is now wearing a Memphis Grizzlies uniform. And it was just awesome. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to any of his um, media did. day availability. I mean, he's like a damn prophet, bro. Like he's just like a damn like 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 wise man. Like it just was awesome. It was really really cool um, to hear him talk about his role with Memphis, kind of what's going on, um, you know, where he's at in his career, how he's changed since the last time he was in Memphis in two thousand and eight. Um, just a wild situation, but there's just so many questions to be answered about this Grizzlies team specifically. And I'll just take two of them. I'll take three of them. Really? Um, how are the Grizzlies going to fare in the first 25 games of the year without 
Ja Morant? Massive question, right? Like, who's going to step up? It seems like to me Desmond Bain is ready to, to play that role. It seems like to me Desmond Bain is ready to, to really step into that gap and be that guy. Um, Jaron is definitely going to be that guy as well. Um, you know, Taylor Jenkins talked about in, in after practice, um, after the first day of training camp, said our goal is to, is to provide Jaron with many different, and he calls it optionalities, right? Like options in terms of where he gets the ball, how he moves on the court, where he's getting his offensive rhythm from, um, which is dope because like we saw that with him and FIBA this summer, um, being used in the pick and roll, unlike anything he's ever been done. Like he's never been using the pick and roll at Memphis before. Um, and so it's interesting, like you've even seen them adopt some of that already in, in yesterday's preseason game against Indiana. So that's the first question is, you know, how the Grizzlies going to fare without Ja? The second question is, how are the Grizzlies, like, where is Steven Adams at, right? Like this injury, this knee injury that was supposed to take six weeks to heal, all of a sudden put him out for the entire second half of the season. Then he comes back in at media day and says, number one, it would be irresponsible for me to play a five on five game right now. We're still waiting to test it out. Like, we don't know where his knee is. And and I'm sitting there listening to it going, Christian, like, they're just waiting for his knee to explode. Like, they haven't even tested it yet. Like, they haven't even – he hasn't played a five-on-five -five game during the offseason to even test to see if his knee is ready to go. And we see we, – we know how important Steven Adams is to the, to the Grizzlies team in terms of – opening up lanes setting pick and roll like setting screens and just the defense and and the defending and the rebounding and all those different things um and then the third question that i think needs to be answered is what kind of year is zaire williams gonna have like is he gonna have that second half the back half of the of his rookie year where he really took off and did really well or is he gonna have last year is that is that the normal for zaire williams and how important it is for zaire to be like what he does for the the Grizzlies team in terms of raising their ceiling and and because of his skill set and because of his size and his defensive abilities and all that like where is he going to be and so those are some major questions that have to be answered um last night they had their first preseason game against Indiana and Steven played and it was the weirdest thing ever um all of a sudden we hear like 3 days before it would be irresponsible for me to play 5 on 5 Next thing you know, first game, he's starting and he's rolling and he's playing, played the entire first half, you know, like looked good, rebounded the ball, set screens, got guys wide open. I mean, it was unbelievable. Um, Derek Rose comes out. He starts in, in, in place of Marcus Smart, who's um, got a little bit of a, I think, a quad injury, like a little bit of a, like a bruise or something. Um, comes out and Derek Rose just looks like the damn Derrick Rose from old, man. Like, he looks good. Um, how much does he have left in the tank? Like, it, it's just, it's back, man. It's exciting. A lot of questions to be answered, but the Grizzlies got a win in their first first preseason game. Went to overtime. Okay, before before you move it on real quick, I, I probably saw me looking down. Someone just sent me this. Uh, tell me if you can see this, if I just hold it up. Yeah. Can you see that? Is that Taylor? Yes. So Wearing a 99? Even, even Memphis football is getting involved in the exploitation. That was that was, that was was the Memphis football account? Yes. At Taylor Swift told us to tell y'all to pack the bowl. How many, pe how many people do you 
do you think are going to think that that's real? I, all I got to say is, as a as a creative, that Photoshop job is pretty nice. I, 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 it looks like AI. Oh, that's true. Dang, I'm glad that wasn't something like a text that popped up. It was a Bleacher Report notification. But look at how wild that is, dude. That Even is Memphis wild. football is getting in on the Taylor Swift exploitation. That's super crazy. All right, Kenny, move us on, though. I just thought that was hilarious. And you're probably going to have a bunch of old people think that that's real. Man, that's wild. <laughs> that is wild. That does look like AI. That doesn't look like, uh, that doesn't look like Photoshop yeah, at all. I think all. it's AI. What do you think about okay let's move on to um now nah, we'll talk about taylor in a little bit um no. actually no we won't no we no. won't um let's move on man um away from grizzlies preseason they are playing hey they are playing um on tuesday night they are playing the milwaukee bucks in memphis Giannis and damian will be there so that'll be fun all right Ooh. moving on college football a lot of games to discuss um a lot of boneheaded coaches can we start there? Can we Let's start, start there. there. All right. Georgia Tech and Miami. Dude, what the heck? What is this? Like, help me understand, bro. Hey, there's no, I can't. Hey, did Mario Cristobal fumble that ball? He didn't I mean, fumble it. It's not his it's fault. It, it's his fault. It's his fault. Mario Neither Cristobal ball. didn't fumble that ball. Okay. Yeah, he, basically. Need the ball. You get there's 33 seconds left. They have no timeouts. Think it was second down. It didn't yeah. matter if it was third down. Need the ball. You win. The game's over. But you run it and you fumble. And then not only that, you allow them to score. Because instead of playing a prevent defense with five seconds left, your safeties get toasted and there's a guy wide open for a touchdown. I've never seen a team, I've never seen a team that should have lost a game more then Miami should have lost that game. Oh, is they that, deserve, that's, that's where you're taking it? They, yeah, deserve, they deserve to lose that game. Yes, they are 100%. As soon as they ran the ball and fumbled it, they deserve to lose that game. 100%. Interesting. Interesting. 100%. You make, a, you make a call like that, you deserve to lose the game. That is that the first time? Have you ever seen that? Yes. Yes, I've seen it before. It happens. I don't know about in that situation. You see, you see coaches that, you know, like maybe you get the ball back with a minute 45 left or whatever and that you run the ball a couple of times. But when in a situation where you know without a shadow of a doubt you can knee the ball and the game's yeah. over. Yeah. All you do is you knee that one time, boom, game's over, you win. Why run the ball? I just don't understand that. So, terrible call. Stupid call. I mean, call. is that – let me ask you this. Like, is that just Mario Cristobal overthinking things? Like, trying to be cute? Is that just – what is I have, that? I, there's no logical explanation to it. Like, I have no idea at all. Like, even if you do decide to call a run play, just tell the running back to go down before he even makes it to the line of scrimmage. I, I don't know. Like I don't he's know. Fight, it was like he was fighting for yards that were unnecessary in that pile. Maybe. It made no sense. Absolutely no sense. I'm so happy that Miami lost that game after that because they deserve to. I know I've seen Miami fans. Is that a fireable offense? No, it's not a fireable offense, but it's not good. It's not a good look. I mean, Miami was looking pretty good this year, and then you steal what is it? You steal defeat from the jaws of victory. Is exactly what they did. <laughs> They stole. They stole defeat from the jaws of victory. That's hilarious. Yeah. 
All right, let's move on, man, from uh, one boneheaded play to um, another game, another beatdown, man. Louisville played Notre Dame. Top 25 matchup. Louisville Cardinals came in 25th. They're 6-0 this year. Played Notre Dame, um, who's ranked number 10. Has two losses, um, but they were ranked number 10, and they got smashed, bro. Smashed. What'd you see in that yeah, game? I mean, it just – that was a shocker. Um, Louisville's played good ball, but, I mean, Notre Dame – Notre Dame's looked really good this year. I mean, yeah, Sam Hartman's have. Sam Hartman's looked good this year. I know they lost that game to uh, to Ohio State, but Ohio State's another one of the best teams in the country. It came down to the wire. And they end up losing, and then they what was it a thirteen point win for uh, Louisville, thirty yeah. three to twenty. Yeah. So just that one, that one kind of caught me off guard as well. I didn't get to watch. I didn't get to watch a lot of that game, so I don't know exactly. You know how the game flow felt or anything like that, but it was just I, well, I just Notre Dame and all that. I was surprised. Notre Dame got went came into the fourth quarter up by three, and they ended up giving up sixteen points in the uh, fourth quarter and losing. I mean that is that's a rough that's a yeah. that's a kind of like a a Houston Memphis type give up, right? Like where I mean I know Memphis was up by a lot more than than uh, than Notre Dame was up going into the fourth, but to give up that many points um and lose that game man that's that's rough bro that's rough no they were they were losing going in louisville, oh, louisville was, up, was up 17 to 30 uh, yeah. my math uh, my mathing is not mathing right now yeah but then louisville went on to score 16 straight 16 unanswered yeah yeah that's what it was Sam Hartman threw three picks in the game. Just yeah, that's rough, man. Tough. Yeah, that's rough. Tough well, let's move. Them. Let's move on. Um, Notre Dame. I thought Notre Dame was pretty good, and they. I mean, I'm sure they're still pretty good, but that that's a rough way to lose. Um, they'll probably drop pretty good, but they have a tough schedule, man. Notre Dame's schedule is always pretty tough. They play play a lot of teams. Um, let's move on to Georgia and Kentucky. What did you see? I know last week we talked about. They're not really being a dominant college football program this year. Georgia has been number one the entire year just based off the fact they haven't lost. They started at number one and haven't really lost. They came out against Kentucky, and they look like the number one team in the country. They look pretty dominant in that game. Yeah, finally. Uh, this is what a lot of people, I'm sure Georgia fans in general, have been waiting on because they just haven't looked like the dominant team that they look like the past two years. Uh, Carson Beck's looked serviceable but not great and in this game he had nearly 400 passing yards and four touchdowns only one interception defense held kentucky to 13 points uh coming off of them absolutely throttling florida the week before so i mean i think they were 14 point favorites in this game yeah they were i think uh yeah. georgia was 14 point favorites in this game and absolutely hammered kentucky so uh, it'll be interesting to see you know, is this Georgia figuring it out? And is this the Georgia to expect for the rest of the year? Or is this a flash in the pan? They get Vanderbilt next. Okay. Yeah. They get Florida. Okay. They get Missouri. <laughs> okay. Then they get Georgia and Tennessee. And so, like, Georgia – I mean, not Georgia, game. sorry. Ole, Ole Miss and Tennessee. 
that's the only ranked teams they play for the rest of the year. So right. I don't know if we will truly know who this Georgia team is or how good they are until mm-hmm. until that Ole Miss game or maybe that Tennessee game. Right. Um, because they do – I think that Tennessee game is in Knoxville, if I'm not mistaken. Man, that'll be yeah. a fun atmosphere. Yeah, that game's in Knoxville. Ole Miss, they play at home. So – I don't know. I know Kentucky was ranked, but Kentucky hasn't been impressive this year. Like, if you look at what they've done, really the only week this whole season they looked uh, impressive was against the Florida. Florida the previous yeah. week. And that was mainly Raymond Davis that was looking so – I mean, all, 200, all, yeah, that was 280 all, yards rushing. Yeah, it was all Ray Davis. I mean, I mean you Leary. said it You said it last, last week about Ray Davis. If they can get – if they can stop Ray Davis – they will win this game handily. And they did. Yeah. They held them to 59 yards rushing. I mean, right. they they definitely shut – they bottled him up. Yeah, everybody thought Devin Leary was going to be really good coming over from NC State, but he wasn't really that good at NC State last year. And he's yeah. been very inefficient as Kentucky's quarterback as well. So, it's – a. I mean, they finally got one of these, like, big dominant wins against the SEC team. But – yeah. I mean, we'll see what it translates to because I mean they, t- we know we know they played really close against South Carolina and really close against Auburn. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see if this was kind of just one of those up weeks or if they finally figured it out offensively. I'll say this about Carson Beck, man. Like when you, yes, has he is he does he have that like reliability and steadiness of a of a um, Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett. Thank you. I had his name and then. Um, lost it for a second, but Stetson Bennett. But when you've got Brock Bowers and you've got Rosamie Saint or Jack Saint, what's his name? How do you say his name? Um, Rosamie Jack Saint. When you've got yeah. Ra Ra Thomas, those guys are like I, I haven't really watched a whole lot of Georgia, and I got to watch a little bit of that game. Jack Saint is a beast, man. He is yeah, such yeah. a big guy. Yeah. <laughs> like there, and and then Brock Bowers just. The best football player in 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 college sports. Right? He's the best player. Like, he's just so good, man. Yeah, Caleb Williams might have something to say about that. Brock Bauer's nasty, bro. Nasty. So is Caleb Williams. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I put my money on Brock Bauer. You got Caleb Williams. Hey, man. Hey, I'm. I wouldn't be mad if you put the money on Marvin Harrison Jr. Dude's awesome too. But Brock Bauer's just so good, man. Like, yeah. He's Carson a he's, Beck. He's a different breed. He's a freak. Yeah, he is. Now, let's get to this game, bro. Okay. Oklahoma and Texas. I, I know. Told y'all. I told y'all. I speak, told y'all. Speak your, truth. speak your truth a little bit, Christian. It's not my truth. This is the truth. I mean, okay. you can pull up video footage of me saying, Texas ain't legit. And what else did I say? I'm not sold on Quinn Ewers. I don't hmm. really think Quinn Ewers is all that good. Well, Quinn Ewers was not that good <laughs> against Oklahoma. I think his stats got a little bit inflated in the second half, but, I mean, he threw two really big interceptions. Yeah. And then Texas defense couldn't stop Oklahoma, which was pretty surprising because Oklahoma, I don't think they played anybody this year. Uh, Arkansas Oklahoma? State, SMU, Tulsa, Cincinnati. Iowa State. Yeah. And then they beat Texas. 
And uh, Dylan Gabriel deserves a lot of props for this game. He played incredible. Yeah. Uh, this is a game I was actually able to watch the vast majority of. 285 passing yards, 112 rushing yards. That last drive, he was flawless. I don't know if you saw it, but the I play did. that kind of got them down into the red zone. Yeah, uh, he's scrambling. He's about to take off running. Dude comes across the field. Boom, zips him one. I think you picked up like 35 yards and then the touchdown pass in the back corner of the end zone. Mm-hmm. Dylan, Dylan Gabriel played a heck of a ball game. Um, and yeah, Texas. I mean, I, they could still, I mean, they could still make it to the college football playoff or whatever, but I, I, I'm not sold on Texas. Yeah. I'm still not sold on Texas. I just, I don't know. And I, maybe it's more Sarkeesian than anybody else, but I just don't see it for Texas. Where do you think this drops Texas to um, in terms of rankings? Because I know you – I think last week you said that – They dropped them to number nine. Oh, they're at number nine now? So who yeah. who were the big movers and shakers in college football in terms of rankings this week after last, after this past weekend? Um, Oklahoma jumped up to number five. Okay. Texas moved down to number nine. Um, Notre Dame moved down to number 21. That's a massive fall. 11 spots. Miami dropped to 25 after their boneheaded loss. Kentucky did not drop out of the top 25. They're at 24. UCLA is at 18. I don't believe they were ranked last week, but I know they beat uh, Washington State. Yeah, Washington State was 13. UCLA beat them uh, to move up to 18. Interesting. Say that Louisville moved up to 14 from 25 after beating Notre Dame. That's a, that's kind of the the big the big movers of the week. So nobody in the top other than Texas, nobody in the top four really switched spots. Who took who took Texas's spot? At three, Ohio State. Ohio State. So it's and then Georgia Florida, and then Florida State moved up to four. Okay. Who's number two? Uh, Michigan, because they oh, throttled yeah, yeah. Minnesota fifty-two to ten. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Zero competition for Michigan, but kudos to them. They're crunching everybody that they play. Yeah, they are. East Carolina thirty to three, UNLV thirty-five to seven, Bowling Green thirty-one to six. Michigan, I mean uh, Rutgers, thirty-one to seven. Nebraska, forty-five to seven. Minnesota, fifty-two to ten. Uh, they allowed their most points in a game on Saturday at ten. Unbelievable. Yeah, that's crazy. And I mean, I mean, they've got Indiana, who they're thirty-four point favorites against. Michigan State, who's terrible. Purdue, who's terrible. And then the end of the year, they get they get Penn State, and then Maryland, and then Ohio State. So. We still got a few more weeks of Michigan crunching people until we can actually see them play a decent team. Man, that Michigan Ohio State game is going to be bananas. Is it in? Is it Ann Arbor? Or is it where's it at? It is in Ann Arbor. Woo! Son, that's gonna be a yep. fun one. All, All right, on. you ready? Let's move on. Yep. Move it on. Let's go to NFL, man. Let's do it. A lot of storylines coming out of this past weekend. Dolphins, once again, are proving themselves to be the not only the best offense of this year, but also through the first five weeks of the season, they have the most yards in the history of the NFL. Yep, they passed, I think, the 2,000 Rams, the greatest show on turf. 
as our boy uh, Isaac Bruce. Bruce, Isaac Bruce, Tory Holt, Marshall Falk, Kurt Warner. Yeah, they I think they passed that team this week uh, for the most yards through first five games, and they are literally just a track team with pads on. Um, <laughs> Devon A Chain rips off a 76 yard touchdown run in this game, and he becomes the fastest ball carrier of the season at 21.9 miles per hour. Um, he was also he broke his own uh, at 21.7 that he had I think two games ago. So 21.9, he was the fastest ball carrier of the year for all of one drive until Tyree Kill called a screen and ran for 22 miles an hour. Um, you can look at ESPN or not ESPN. Uh, sorry, uh, Next Gen Stats. I'm gonna pull yeah. it up right now just because it's crazy. I think I talked about this a couple weeks ago, but. Next gen stats. Let's see if I can get to this fastest ball carriers, because this is ins insane. Like the fact that this is true. Twenty-two miles an hour, bro. So, Tyree Kill number one, twenty-two point oh one. Yeah. Devon A Chain number two, twenty-one point nine three. Devon A Chain number three, twenty-one point seven six. Tyree Kill number four, twenty-one point six six. Raheem Mostert, also yeah. Dolphins, 21.62. Number six is Jamar Chase. Number seven is Tyreek Hill. Number eight is Brees Hall. Number nine is Devon A. Chain. They have so seven, seven, six or seven? seven of nine. Seven of nine. My seven God. of the nine fastest ball carriers this year play for um, the Miami, Miami. Dolphins. And they also have Jalen Waddle on there at 21. They have Tyreek as another 21. So, I mean, they are just literally a track team with pads on. Yeah. They can play that, that are damn good at football. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's crazy. I mean, how many yards did you say they had? They had over 900 yards in the first. What was it? It's like 2,600 yards. Oh, 900 was something else we were talking about earlier. Um, 2,600 yards in the first five games of the year is unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, so 500 yards a game. Think about it in this sense. Like, man, has Tua, has Tua ever, is he the recipient of being like the luckiest quarterback in the world, the college team he played on. And now yeah. the, the pro team he's played on, like, is he that good? Or is he just the beneficiary of unbelievable talent around him? I mean, I think Tua is very good, but he's also been very fortunate to play with some really good players. But this team, like Tua is the perfect point guard for this team. That's exactly, I mean, that's the perfect way to describe him. He is the point guard. He is the distributor of this team. He, he runs this offense perfectly uh, with his process and speed, with his ability to get the yeah. ball out quickly. Like not every quarterback in the league could run this system effectively and or effectively as, as Tua can. So I've always been a big Tua fan, so I'm not going to bash him. I, I love Tua. I think he's a really good quarterback, and he is definitely helped out a lot by what's around him. But I mean, I, mean, I was I was watching. I, I turned it on. Um, ESPN had just like a classic game on, and I think it was the 2018 Alabama team. Was that Tua's year? Was that when Tua was there? That, that the, the big-time Alabama year they had? Devontae Smith, they had Jalen Waddell. Who else was on that team? They had uh, Najee Harris, Jerry Judy. Henry Ruggs. <laughs> I mean, just 
unbelievable talent on that Alabama yep. team. And now he's playing with back with Waddle, got Tyreek, Devin A. Chain, Raheem Mustard. I mean, these guys are just golly, man. Burners. Burners, bro. Burners. All right. We watch them. Then we turn on last night's game and we watch. You said this a couple of weeks ago, Christian. You said I'm not going to get excited about the Cowboys until they play there, until they play somebody. Well, they played somebody last night. Yeah, it went pretty much how I expected it to go. The the 49ers are the perfect mismatch for Dallas. Everything that they do well, we do bad, and everything that we do bad, they do well. It's why they've put us out the last two seasons. Right. They they play a style of football that is very hard for the Cowboys to compete with. We saw it again. And we saw it even worse this time. It's rough. Yeah, it was rough. It was a, definitely a bad loss. And it was just one of those games, like, it felt like from the first drive, like, okay. When they can just go right down seven plays, 75 yards, and score, it's kind of like, okay, it's not great. And it didn't it didn't get any better really from there. No. I think I think the Cowboys made it 14-7 at one point and then it was run a runaway train after that. 49ers yeah. just kind of controlled the rest of the game. And that's what they do. Man, when when Brock Purdy's hitting like that, I mean, he couldn't miss. And when he's on and he's been on every game, he was a starter basically. He's never lost yeah. a game in the NFL that he's started and finished. Uh, the only game he's ever lost was the playoff game against the Eagles, the NFC Championship, and he tore his UCL on, like, the second drive. Yeah, man. So, he's kind of like Tua, you know? Like, is he a product of the system, or is he that good? And it falls somewhere in between. Like, Brock Purdy is not the most toolsy quarterback in the league, but he does exactly what he's asked to do with perfection. Yeah, of course. If he was qual- if he was qualified, he'd be the highest rated passer of all time, but he hasn't played enough games to be qualified for that. <laughs> I think his passer rating is like 117, which is crazy for Yeah. It's crazy for like a 4 or 5 game stretch, but for I think I think this was How many stars or 12. Is he? Yeah. I think 11 or 12 for him. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, the completion percentage, the passer rating, and it's like people are thinking that he's dinking and dunking, but, dude, he chunks the ball down the field. Like, they push the ball down the field. Intermediate is their biggest game. 15 to 20 yards, like, that is their window of where they want to throw the ball to Brandon Ayuk and uh, George Kittle. Debo, yeah. they probably want to get him the ball a little bit shorter most of the time, let him work after the catch. But, yeah, no, Kyle Shanahan and that staff, they've, they've got something figured out. I mean, I'll tell you what, man, like, I've been – it's been interesting to me because, like, every NFL game that I've watched this year, I've almost become enthralled with the defenses, right? Like, especially the especially the rush edges, like the defensive lines. Because, like, I've, I've watched so much college football over the last few years that you're not really used to seeing super, super effective defensive lines, especially, let's be frank, especially at Memphis. And so, like – it is stunning to me to see some of these front sevens in the NFL just be utterly dominant in the way that they play. Like I, w- I even started typing up a question I was going to ask you about the most dominant defensive lineman in the game right now, especially interior defensive linemen, because you see guys like Quinn and Williams, and you see guys like um, Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald. You see um, Chris, Jones. Um, Chris Jones, man. Chris. Jo- I watched a lot of that Kansas City game yesterday, and just Chris Jones is just monster. 
just a game monster. Breaker. But then you go back and you watch the like I watched the 49ers game, the Cowboys 49ers game, and you see Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner. God, man, like those guys were wrecking shop over the entire field, the entire game. Those are linebackers. <laughs> no, I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I was talking saying. about just front sevens. That's what I said. Yeah, yeah. Like, got you. Just, yeah, no. Uh, for, uh, to me, and I've said this for probably two or three years now, uh, Fred Warner gets all the credit, and he's incredible. I love Fred Warner. He's a great player. He's probably the best linebacker in football. But Dre Greenlaw is probably the most underrated linebacker in football. Man. He's so aggressive, and he's so fast, and he's so – quick to diagnose stuff and break it down like what he does as far as like the short passing game like running backs out of the backfields and swings and stuff like that and just being able to play that zone coverage but be so quick to close that it doesn't matter if he's playing zone coverage like Dre Greenlaw is off the charts Fred is awesome Fred's probably the best in the game right now it had a pick forced fumble he does everything but Dre is super underrated in what he does they were, they were, it was kind of tough watching the Cowboys offense last night going up against those guys, man. They're so fast, man. They have so much speed on that defense. They are yeah. so fast. Yeah. Uh, and you're, I mean, Nick Bosa on the end, Javon Hargrave, right. Eric Armstead, right. like they're, they're so good everywhere. Telenoa Hafunga, like they just got dudes everywhere. Um, but let's, let's close it out with yeah, Joe let's Burrow. Close it. Let's go Joe let's Burrow, man. I'm going to talk Joe Burrow real quick. Um, obviously, calf injury i think it was like july 27th is that right looked, yeah that footage that came out from the from pre from training camp looked everybody up. thought he tore his achilles 100 percent. everybody thought he popped his achilles um didn't practice for the rest of uh training camp didn't play in the preseason really i don't think he started practicing until the week before uh their first game clearly didn't look right hasn't looked, hasn't right. looked good all year he hasn't and looked like you, himself. You've got people saying, should he shut it down? Should they put him on IR, you know, four-game IR and let him get healthy? Right. He said, you know, he, he said uh, he tweaked it in week two uh, against the Ravens, and then obviously that was a setback. And then he said he's gotten better every week, every week, every week. You know, every week in practice he says, you know, this is the best I've felt. And it just hasn't translated. It hasn't looked good yet. Um, it's kind of been this steady increase. A little bit you know it's kind of been up and down like uh, two weeks ago who did they play two weeks ago um Mm. the rams they played on monday night football against the rams and he was up and down like he looked okay for a minute then he wouldn't look good and then last week against the titans he comes out on the first drive i think he was like five for five for 65 yards they don't end up scoring a touchdown they kick a field goal and they do nothing they couldn't move the ball the rest of the game right and but then this week against arizona he was on. He looked really good, and he hit the downfield shot to Jamar Chase, uh, which is something – the vertical passing game is something that they just haven't turned to this year. And that wasn't the only deep shot he took in this game. He also took a deep shot to uh, Trenton Irwin a little bit later in the game. So it looked like Joe Burrow is back, uh, which is good, obviously, for the Bengals. It's good for the NFL. Yeah. It's good for Christian's fantasy team. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> good uh, – good – Good all the way around, um, but yeah, it's good. It's good to see him back healthy. I mean, you know, everybody <laughs> wants to make the comments about, oh, you know, he's coming off of getting the contract and, and the extension, and yeah, dude, he's hurt. He's hurt. Come on, cut him, cut him a break. He's freaking hurt playing through it. 
it does feel like though that this is kind of what Cincinnati does every year, right? They kind of start a little bit slow, and then by the end of the year, they are balls They're rolling. To the wall. Yeah, yeah. I mean, last year I think they started zero and two. Yeah. So and you think they're going to be? I mean, they're going to be fine by the end of the year. Yeah, as long as he doesn't have a setback, as long as he continues to get healthier, they're they're going to be fine. Yeah, because they I don't. Agree. They have a solid defense. We've seen their defense play really well. Um, they have uh, offensive line. They've got to get figured out because it's just been rough. But I think ultimately they'll they'll get that situation handled a little bit better, um, and they get T Higgins back probably this upcoming week. Yeah, after the rib injury. So yeah, I think I think they're fine. I don't think they have anything to worry about as long as Burrow stays healthy. Well, there you go, man. That's our hot three. All right, let's close it out. We appreciate you guys for joining us. If you're watching on YouTube, you can like, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. Um, don't forget Tuesday night, seven o'clock every week. The Players <laughs> Club, Kenny. Uh, who do we have this week? We have Chandler Martin, and we got some yep. fun stuff to talk to about Chandler. Excited Martin. about Chandler Martin being there. We got some interesting stuff we need to talk to Chandler Martin about. But um, we've got uh, Chandler Martin, Anthony Lanfear, uh, Xavier Hill, and who's the last guy? It is in my. Hold on, you got it somewhere. Julian Barnett. Julian Barnett. There you go. I'm excited about Julian Barnett. Yeah. So uh, we got Julian Barnett, Xavier Hill. Chandler Martin and Anthony Lanfear. And listen, man, you better get there early on Tuesday night because last week there was not a seat to be had at Let It Fly. So if you want to get there, um, see the guys, bring autograph, anything you want autograph, bring your babies, bring your babies, diapers, the sign, anything and everything. So, man, I had a good time last week, Christian. It was fun. Yeah, for sure. So come out 7 o'clock Tuesday night, eat some food. Meet the guys, hang out with the guys, listen to the interview. But that's all we got for this week. We'll see you back in studio with Gabe Kuhn next week. Thank you for listening to On the Bluff. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a rating and a review wherever you download your podcasts. Also, like and subscribe to Bluff City Media's YouTube page. Head over to www.bluffcitymedia.co for comprehensive coverage of Memphis sports and how you can become an insider.